Hello and welcome to Bougie Adjacent. I'm Amanda Lauren. Today I am here with someone who has an incredibly bougie adjacent profession, if not a bougie profession, Barbara Barna Abel. She is a media coach. She has worked with some of the top names in the business. And I am so glad to call her a friend. I'm very excited to have her on because I have a lot of questions for her. And the first one is, how did you become, you know, I feel like a lot of people are coaches in different industries. And when you were a little kid, like you would say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a this. But like no one said they want to be a coach. I feel like being a coach is an entirely new industry. So how did you get into it? What is your what is your story? My story? Well, it's funny you would say that about being a kid because it definitely was not my ambition. But when you look back to like, you know, what are you good at? And I was definitely, I've always been highly curious and really interested in people, good at talking to people. Truthfully, actually kind of a good friend, like a really good listener and highly intuitive, but also a little bit bossy, like to, you know, <laughs> help be a helper and get things just so. Um, and so, and then, and then quite honestly, I got into it because I came through the media profession. So it also starts from being like an incredible fan of all kinds of media. I started in the record business and then transitioned to television. So that's where it really begins because I loved TV. I loved talent and I was very good at supporting talent through the audition process and also even through the meeting process and the launch of a show process. And that's when I started to learn why a casting director is called a casting director and not an agent because you are literally directing the talent. And then it just became an extension of that was part more of the problem solving or how do we get from here to there? And that's when you get into the coaching realm. And then also technology shifted. And now it's not about talent specifically anymore because we're all on camera now, whether well, we realize it, it or not. It's so funny that you say that because I feel like one of the things you do is I know that you work with a lot of corporations to help coach people. So how exactly does that work and how do the two things translate? How do you mean it? Where I mean, because on a functional level, that means like someone calls me or emails me and say, hey, yeah. work with us. But um, <laughs> I think what you're asking is because uh, technology really shifted. So it's a lot has to do with the rise of digital technology and how we all communicate through a lens. And then also really even connected to that is even, you know, LinkedIn and and um, Reid Hoffman's sense of um, that it's the brand of you. And like we're all communicating and we're all having to, you know, carry our brands wherever we are. So the media coaching space for me now is the same, all the same principles apply, but it's really like, who are you? Um, how do you want to show up? What do you have to say? Right. So then there's, so there's the strategy mindset component. There's also technique, which is just best practices for communicating a lot about listening meeting your audience, whoever that is, whether that's one person or thousands, meeting them where they are with respect. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist, has a great quote where he talks about the science doesn't change, the audiences do. Meaning the science is the science, but how he talks about the science, it gets adapted depending on who the audience is. He doesn't talk to a room full of kids or a room you know, full of even just um, a Comedy Central audience, let's say, the same way that he would to an audience full of astrophysicists. So that's basically like how it applies theoretically. 
Like, do you care how it applies, like on a practical data basis? Do you, you call up? We have a plan. We have Zoom calls. <laughs> I watch a lot of videos and I take notes. Let me ask you, why do you think so many people are, this is one thing I've noticed online. I think pe most people are terrible communicators. And mm. I just, terrible. And they mean one thing and they say something else. And why do you, why do you think that is? Wow. Okay. That's a really powerful question, actually, Amanda, because uh, there are a variety of reasons. You know, one, uh, it, we are communicating and a lot of people misunderstand that actual crucial thing that you just said. It's not just talking. We're communicating. So one, it starts with actually understanding, you know, why and what are your intentions and what are your goals? So there's a big part of that because I'm, I think just a lot of us are just sort of, you know, bumping through life, not actually really thinking about that part of it. So there's a mindfulness component and, and intentionality. Um, we don't really teach it and we make it scary when we're growing up, right? Because like public speaking is this thing and it's one sure. way and we get really scared into ideas of perfection and judgment. And, and so I feel really passionate about, it's one of my goals big is, you know, creating some kind of national platform to really bring more, I was going to say more better, more, more and better communication it's skills. Friday. To, just, I thank you very much. School. different, you know, uh, developmental stages, we're really taught to check in with how they're feeling and to learn to communicate that and to communicate productively because we're not taught that. You have to go to coaching school no. to learn that or a lot of therapy or whatever that is. But it, the world would be a different place if we were given those tools when we're young. Well, I also think it's funny that you bring up listening because I try to, I have to be on social media for my job. I have to promote what I do. Like it, there, there's no choice. And there's mm -hmm. a part of it that is business. And there's a part of it, like I would say, Instagram is kind of all business for me, even though people might think it's personal. Whereas like Facebook is sort of personal. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just sort of funny because I will read people saying the dumbest things or things that make no sense or things that could potentially be harmful to, to others. And it's, it's so hard because I feel like one of the biggest problems that we have today is that we don't see where the other person is coming from and we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, if someone is saying, you know, X, Y, or Z, not even just like political things, just certain things, although I do think arguing about politics is a huge problem online and another podcast altogether, but I think that like people are coming from the place where like you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt like they're saying this because they really believe it and they're not saying it to be a jerk you know and how do you sort of how do we become better listeners mm. well one is again it's the intention you know choosing to understand why why it's important so part of it is um you know, loving others. Um, but the other, I mean, I think a big part of what you're bringing up, Amanda, is that we're very fractured, that even though we're social on social media, it's actually, you know, we're very, very spread apart. And there's a lot of really important work that's been written about the disintegration of communities and how disconnected we are. 
And so that becomes a lot, a part of it is, is that since we're so disconnected, the human need to feel heard. And so that's what you're responding to when so many people are just pushing stuff out there and comments and how often people don't even read what they're actually commenting on. So the comment is actually not quite relevant. Or if you've taken a second to read it, you might've understood what the person, what it actually said, or that there was nuance or whatever that is. So that's that there's that. Um, But it's also like how we choose to show up as people because um, listening to others is like a huge gift. It's the same thing. I feel like making eye contact with people is a huge gift because imagine if you're a barista and all you see all day are foreheads. And like the top of heads, because people are just always looking down and waving their phone at the the payment thing. And they're never looking up at you and they're never making eye contact. I think that must be really demoralizing by the end of the day. I also just think I feel so bad for baristas, right? Every stupid trend on TikTok with the and then people have like these orders that if you wrote them out would be like three pages long. I just, it hurts my heart. I'm like, it's not easy. Although Starbucks like here does give great insurance benefits, but those people deserve it. It is, it is not an easy job, but yeah. It is not an easy job. And where I live, Starbucks is busy. We have hot, you know, I'm in Brooklyn. The population density is intense, but that's what I mean. So smile at someone and say, thank you. Because to see someone is to also hear them. Completely. You know who I think is an excellent communicator because I was obviously looking at your bio to prepare for this and has a really interesting way of communicating and it's someone you discovered and it's not, I know you're thinking I'm going to say Chrissy Teigen, but it is not Chrissy Teigen. It is Burt Kreischer. I love wow. Burt Kreischer. I know everyone's like, I well, lo- I'm like, yeah, big Burt Kreischer fan. I love that. I have to be clear. One, I didn't discover Chrissy, but I just, I coached her very early on and, and through over the years. So um, she was, you know, I think she came fully discovered, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. And the same thing uh, with Bert. I connected with him through his, actually, it was a former manager when I was casting a project and I knew Bert a little bit when he was an up and comer. But so what do you love about Bert? I just think he's so funny and so unique and so real. And I think that that is something that really like attracts me to his comedy and to his podcast. I also think he's really honest. And I think that there is a problem Mm. with honesty these days because I think that there is a fear everyone has. And I have it myself. It's a huge problem for me about being too honest. And what could be the repercussions of it? Because again, it all comes back to like miscommunication, but he just doesn't, I mean, listen, Bert Kreischer don't give a fuck. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I like. I mean, literally he stands there and does his stand up comedy shirtless. You can't take someone too seriously. And you know, they don't take themselves too seriously. One, if they're a stand up comedian and two, if they're doing it shirtless. <laughs> but for us mere mortals, I mean, the fear of cancellation is real. I mean, I've seen it happen to people. I know and care about. And, and it's so often, it's not even a misunderstanding. It's just the the power of the few to create a storm. Um, so that's, but so there are a couple of different things that we're talking about in terms of what it is to be honest, what it is to be, whether, and then um, 
you know, so much is about tone, language, sure. intent. Um, Cause you can be honest with, uh, and gentle. You can be honest and provocative. You know, you can be honest and aggressive. So it gets into what all that means. And it, you know, it's not just what you say, but how you say it, which is a big part of the communication. I was thinking about this. Can I don't know how you know to get political, and this is definitely dating our conversation. But I'm mm -hmm. watched. Oh, I mean, a dozen times over and over again. The video that was released of Nancy Pelosi on the on January sixth that was shot by her daughter Alexandra, who's a documentarian, because mm -hmm. her level of composure and leadership and communication skills in in unspeakable crisis is just sort of like knocked my socks off. And I've lived through some crises, like 9-11, and I didn't hold my shit together like that. I was like, wow. I mean, and she had like hours and hours and hours to deal with an assault. And I was like, this is amazing. So funny that you, by the way, I will say this for anyone listening, Motel Kids of Orange County, Alexandra Pelosi documentary, watch it. You'll never go to Disney World again. You will go to Anaheim and you will avoid spending any money. Um, you will think very differently about Southern California. It's about, it's probably a 12 year old documentary by now. I'm sure it's on HBO go or what HBO Matt, whatever they call it. HBO has a different name every, like every month Sorry. they like change the name, but it's, I'm sure it's on that. And I highly recommend it. It is a sad, tragic, fascinating documentary. Wow. Thanks for the recommendation. Cause I haven't seen it. I'll go look for so it on good. like discovery bo go. <laughs> yeah, it's called. exactly. I know. <laughs> I know. I can never, I like in 10 years, someone will listen to it and it will have an entirely different name and no one will know what we're talking about. Um, well, we'll just but, tap our brains and be like, Oh, I want to watch it. And it'll come up through the chip. I know. I know. It's so funny. I'm like, when can they invent something so I can watch something through my eyelids or something? I don't know. Just like I close my eyes and just like the TV comes on. That would be very cool. Well, they do have those, you know, they kind of have those. It's not in your eyelids, but like the Google yeah. finder. I know. I know. I I mean, the, the, I think that there have to be many scientific advantages before we can close our eyes and tap our fingers for the, you know, for um, the Roku box to turn on in our eyelids. But yeah, I don't know that I'll be an early adapter for that one. <laughs> I, I don't think most <laughs> I don't think most people will be. <laughs> but um, it's so what do you think? So you think composure? That's that's so funny that, that you say. I think a lot of politicians, though, I wonder what they are really like. And politicians of all kinds, let me just say that, all affiliations, what people are really like behind closed doors. Because I think a lot of them do receive, you look so, this is not good for a podcast, but the look on Barbara's face right now is hilarious because you kind of wonder what they're like behind closed doors because sometimes I'm like did that person really just say what huh like okay but like what are you like as a real person and I think that's why people actually liked Obama so much because he seemed like a real they always say that like the person you vote for president is the person you want to like go have a beer with and I think that that's true because he seemed like the kind of guy who would be really fun to get a beer with Oh, 100%. But, and I also, it's because 
I want to hang out with Michelle. And if, if he's good enough for Michelle, he's good enough for me. Because <laughs> I love her. And they're just such an amazing couple. But I actually agree with you. I actually think that they're both amazing communicators. And one of my tips for a lot of people is to uh, watch good speakers, great communicators with the sound off. And so you can monitor and see how much you can really register the energy, the body language, the facial expressions, just the presence in general. But to your question about politicians, and I've worked with a few, which I've actually really uh, enjoyed. So people fall into a variety of categories. But I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is, is trying to communicate in an old school way where you're just, because we don't want it and we see through it. I don't, if all you're going to do is rehash the sound bites. And it drives me crazy when people constantly refer to the American people. And I'm like, technically, I'm hoping you're one of the American people. Why do you keep talking about us like as if we're, you know, <laughs> like an exotic group that are to be feared? Um, so, yeah, but your point is, is it, I think really what you're tapping into is authenticity. It's like, who is this person? And And at this point, there's been, I mean, again, dating this, but what's happening in L.A. with the city council is horrifying and, and but you have to realize it's probably happening all over the country and that's a so disheartening it's really really difficult to even think about i mean as an angelino i'll tell you everything about the way this city is run <laughs> completely terrifies me and i'm just i was talking to someone about this and i'm just like i don't and i was really like thinking about it as like i'm like what's the right answer and then i'm like oh shit there's absolutely no right answer mm. well to that you know it's actually also going back different references but to go back and watch chinatown which is a great movie with jack nicholson and mm -hmm. it, you get a lot into the politics of water and the things that still impact you and believe it or not who framed roger Ra Ra who framed roger rabbit because what? that gets do you remember who framed roger rabbit i was movie? very very little Okay, first of all, it's fabulous. So go back and watch it, but it really gets into how the politics of getting rid of the the trolleys mm -hmm. and the inter and the cabal that brought in, you know, made California um, oil and and car dependent. It's really good. I mean, the subtext to me, it's actually the text, but the subtext in that is amazing. Really good because these because the point is they're historical, but you're still living with it today. As somebody, you know, you forget. I grew up out there. I know I I do I do forget. Well, it's so it's so funny that you say it with the the cable. It's I mean, listen, we have a terrible. We have we have no public transportation. I mean, we do, but it's not very good. I don't know of anyone who uses it. I did use it once. I actually know people who do. It depends on where you live. It's really? getting better and better. Yes, it's getting better and better. In fact, my husband and son once um, went to an a L.A. Kings game from you know West L.A friend's house in West LA to, you know, I don't even know if it's still, the, that's a staple center. That's another thing I can't keep. It's like crypto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's know. like, I can't keep up with that either. Um, but anyway, so yes. And, and they were like, it was amazing not to be in traffic. No, that sounds, that sounds like heaven. No, I just think it's very, well, I don't know. It's also like, I've said this, the, they tax the gas so high here. I don't know how essential workers can afford mm. to go from what is most likely job to job. Um, and my That's heart great. hurts for them, especially That's now that they point. are decided they're getting rid of gas cars and 
you know, the average, it's so funny because I was reading, I'm like, the average electric car is $60,000. I feel like that's, now it might be less expensive in 10 years from now, but I will say this, it's like, I don't know. Listen, I know people who can afford it, but not everyone wants to spend $60,000 on a new car. You know, Mm -hmm. just, it seems just like so, I'm like, and then they're, and then we went through this whole thing with like the grid, how they're like, you know, don't, you know, Gavin Newsom is in like a jacket and a hat (laughs) in an air conditioned room. And he's like, no, make sure the room is 85 when you go to sleep. And, you know, don't use appliances before, like, after 4 p.m. And I actually did. I will say this. I did not mess with the air conditioning because I have an English bulldog and he is my priority and he's a mouth breather and he gets hot. Wasn't going to let him suffer, but I did do my laundry in the morning. So I felt like I did my part. So, but I, yeah. I'm I'm proud of you, Amanda. (laughs) I know. Like, you know what? I can do my laundry. I'm I'm not gonna get hot, but I will do my laundry in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, what are you gonna what what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I was reading also on your website about, you know, your manifesto. And normally <laughs> I I actually love that it's manifesto because that word is so powerful, speaking of communication. But I believe when you stop apologizing. And start harnessing your own power, you are unstoppable. And I totally agree that the people who are the most compelling are the most unapologetic. But yet, as you said, with cancellation, sometimes it's incredibly hard to to tap into that. And I actually had that experience recently. I did an Instagram reel where I did a sort of a response to, do you know who Trisha Paytas is? Mm-mm. she's a big youtuber she's a big youtuber and she named her kid malibu barbie <laughs> which is it's listen it's a choice it's a choice and it's her choice and she did a malibu barbie themed bedroom which i thought made no sense for a nursery like way too many colors way too much going on would have been a cute five-year-old's room in all fairness. So I did it and I put it on TikTok and I had more people just like shitting on me. And I was totally unapologetic in this. And it, it's so fun. And I also think people missed the point that it was supposed to be. I mean, a lot of people got it. Some people didn't realize it was supposed to be funny. But let me ask you, how do you balance being unapologetic in a world of cancellation? And I know that that's a big question, but how do you suggest hosts or anyone trying to communicate does that? Mm, that's actually a great question. Well, one, going back to actually, you know, part of the meaning of that is that when we stop apologizing, you know, for ourselves and mm-hmm. letting go of imposter syndrome or any of the limiting, you know, beliefs and blocks. So there's that. But the other thing too is um this gets into boundary setting and, and how it can take a while. So one of the things you can do is is to acknowledge and validate the person and say, I'm sorry this upset you. It was not my intention. Right. But you don't have to apologize for yourself or your thoughts or what, you know, you did again. It goes back to it's always going to be situational. It also gets back into tone and how do you approach somebody. So, um, you know, I've had that come up where I have said something that might have been offensive and I, I thank somebody for letting me know. Ooh, that's right? a good one. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you're taking the time to let me know. I hear you. 
I mean, it's one thing, it's like, if, you know, if it's really offensive, because there's there are moments where it's appropriate to um, apologize or have a mea culpa. But there are other times where it's like, you know, I stand by what I said. But with that, I respect you. I appreciate you letting me know. And it was not my intention. I'll be more thoughtful going forward, if that's appropriate. It's the same way, you know, it's again, like not apologizing, you know, you know, canceling plans on someone or there are any number of things where it's like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, this is disappointing to you, but I needed to take care of myself. No, that definitely, that definitely makes sense. I just think it's also hard to do it publicly, but then you mm. see people who are just, they just don't care. And I kind of want that that gene you know and i'm just you know it's it's hard and i think i'm definitely tougher than most people because oh my god i have gotten some mean emails about my articles in my life but you know what are you gonna do okay, like you, you bring like up a something? great point that actually though gets into media training and crisis media training so one is um sometimes that it's not that people don't care but it's also strategy just to not address it Right. Because mm -hmm. it's going to it's going to move on and to get things out of the public square. So sometimes if you do not address. Uh, actually, let me back up. Sometimes if you address and get start to engage in the conversation, it just goes down a rabbit hole or snowballs or it becomes bigger. Where So now it's a very common strategy. Just like don't engage, don't say anything, let it move on, because you know what? And there's so many instances, right, where something blows up. Um, in the media and you know that uh, you know somewhere across town there's somebody who was canceled yesterday going thank god that, that just happened because now <laughs> i'm no longer the headline right they've moved on from me great how you handle it private different matter but to your point it's like sometimes you just because sometimes also to your point that there's you can't please say to the haters so one of those is if, if somebody's just like nasty and mean this just that's that's on them where you know if you get to the situation manager like there's nothing you can say or do to please someone or to placate them and they're, like they're not their audience they're not your audience and they might just be in the business of you know stirring shit you're like i don't need it oh for sure have you not been on any reddit snark snark group oh. <laughs> it's literally just, and it's kind of my guilty pleasure and i'm actually trying not i don't really i've never written anything Unless, with the exception of, like, if I factually know something is a thousand percent incorrect, I will chime in and be like, well, this is how I know this. What you're saying is a thousand percent incorrect. And then a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. But it's so bizarre to me. And sometimes I'm just like, I will watch YouTube videos. That is my guilty pleasure in life. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with indulging in it. And then I will be like, does anyone else think this? So I'll like go to Reddit, you know, like for five minutes before I go to sleep or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, how do people have time for this? And then I'm like, I'm the jerk reading it. Who's spending time on this. I'm like, this is not good for my soul. But I think that everyone, you know, everyone has like a guilty pleasure, but it's wild when you see someone will be like, I'm posting this here so they don't get the view. I'm like, you've put way too much effort into this. <laughs> like, it's it's just wild to me. I don't, well, let me ask, what are your guilty pleasures? Mm, well, one, it's funny, and this is such an obnoxious thing to say, but I don't necessarily believe in guilt. 
um, that there's oh. nothing guilty about my pleasures. Um, but I think along the lines that you're saying is I enjoy, so if, if maybe we're getting towards like what's lowbrow, mm-hmm. is, is that what you're equating with the guilty pleasure? I love the lowbrow. Yeah. I'm so much more into lowbrow than people imagine. So that, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's, um, I was just having a nostalgic conversation with a friend about some quality reality television programming that um, I miss the golden era of like um, rock of love with Brett Michaels was one of the greatest <laughs> things ever. And outback Jack, which only lasted a season. And I think no one saw, but me, but it, Google it. It's so, it's so good. Um <laughs> And, um, and like anybody, like I love some like really good quality, like doom scrolling through, you know, my Twitter and my Instagram and to you, same thing. It's, I love looking at people going, wow, I'm so glad that there are people out there with a lot of free time who could edit those fabulous reels together that are so hilarious. Cause Lord knows I don't, and I'm not that clever. Um, what else? I mean, I, yeah, it, it, again, I feel really grateful, like in the coaching space, because what, you know, one of the things that comes up so much with like productivity people is the number one thing you should give up is television and social media. And I'm like, oh, so sorry. I can't. It's my job. And <laughs> because so to some people, that's it. It's like I digest a lot of media and I love it. Right. And so I love good horoscopes. I love, Ooh. right. Love it. I, yeah, I, I, oh my God, I love a really good BuzzFeed quiz. Sure. <laughs> um, I love wacky hacks. I could watch like, you know, good packing videos for hours. That's like me and Dollar Tree videos. I'm like so amazed with things that people do. First of all, I've never been to a Dollar Tree. I do go to 99 cent only, which is a thing in LA. And I think they have Mm -hmm. them in Arizona too, for anyone listening who has no idea what I'm talking about, where it's the only 99 cent store where you'll see Maseratis like parked in the parking lot. It's like the strangest thing. Um, But I love those videos. I'm just like, people just get so excited over things you can do from the Dollar Tree. And I'm just like, millions of followers and i'm like i get this i don't know why i like this this is so incredibly dumb and i will not do any of this but packing videos wait who are you watching like now i feel like this is something new to get into to waste time oh i don't oh my god now i'm embarrassed i don't know about names but i mean learning about packing cubes completely changed my life and now i go around and explain packing cubes to everybody that i meet do you use packing cubes i do I do. I, I love have a them. really nice set from Mally and Lily. They're like pink and it's labeled. Ooh, nice. Mine are from Away that fit into my suitcases. But oh. I use them all too. I, if, yeah. If, um, yeah. Kids get them wrapped for Christmas. Not to <laughs> give them. I love them. So, that is so funny. So I know you probably have to go soon. So I want to know, what do you have any advice for people that want to get into hosting? And again, I'm going to go back to your fabulous manifesto because I read it and took it seriously, which is that, you know, you say you're never too, you know, you're never too old. It's never too late to start. What do you, you know, if someone's always wanted to do that, what, what is your advice for them? Well, one 
it really isn't too late. And so one is to actually, you know, redefine what you're talking about, because we're all hosts. I host a podcast, you host a podcast. Um, as soon as you put yourself on camera and posting them, if you're doing it consistently to your Instagram, your YouTube, wherever you are, you're hosting on those platforms. So you don't need me or anybody else to validate and give you that term. You can, you can claim it for yourself. And I think that's really important. So it's a different thing when you're like, oh, but I want to get paid by a very specific network to do it. I'm like, okay, well, we're getting somewhere. And then sometimes you have to manage expectations because like the chances of me getting hired by MTV at this point in my life are exactly <laughs> nil. So, right. So it's like managing expectations and looking for, you know, if you want to do something professionally, where are the opportunities and their whole strategies um, around how to, you know, build a platform and, and, um, discoverability, et cetera. But I mean, one, it just begins with doing, you know, actually starting to practice and get good at stuff, spending time with yourself, understanding what do I have to say? What do I talk about? I audited like, what are your Jeopardy categories? I mean, like, what do you really know? Well, and you could talk about all the time, go do it, go, you know, go start doing and letting people know. And then there's also training and classes and showing up, but that's, you know, really, and you know, it's a broad answer to your question because it is, we'll get really specific about, well, where, where do you want to host? Another example, people say to me all the time, like, I want to host a talk show, I'm like, go do it. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, so you could do it um, in New York. There's Manhattan and there's Brooklyn neighborhood cable. I mean, it's free. You go and you sign up and you can do a show there. And I've known people, Chris Gethard did it and like leaped frog oh, yeah. to getting his, his own, you know, show and cable. Um, on the other hand, there are a lot of comedians in New York who've done it where, you know, do a live talk show and start shooting it and get those you know, skills under um, under your belt and, and getting some heat. So there are, I spent like, so if you want it, go do it. And it's interesting in talking on my podcast with people who transitioned from one thing to get into directing. And they all said, yeah, I started taking classes and then I started directing shorts so I could show people that I knew how to direct. So that's part of it. It's so funny that you mentioned Chris Gett. I totally forgot that that he because I once interviewed someone who was on his show. Um, someone in their what I can't remember. This was like years. I've been writing mm -hmm. for so long and have interviewed so many people. I never remember. I'm like, I know that it's like that guy, and I don't <laughs> remember who he was. But he was very funny. Um, but that's I love Chris. Wait, do you know Chris Gethard? Or are well, you just using we, him as a reference? No, no, we've met. I've I've cast him a couple things, and um, and when I was doing Page Six TV, he was shooting his show in the studio next door. But I've always loved that example because he did, he did that thing. It's like he, it's like I want to do it. So he he created the show, and he got really great guests. And I remember he had like a UFC fighter on. And if you don't know who Chris is, you know, he's, he's slight and he's a much smaller guy. Yeah. And he had like, he fought like this big guy and that got a lot of attention. So suddenly people start to notice him, right? You go from being, you know, leapfrog to the, the top of the list. And he did a really fun show. I can't remember who it was for spike comedy central, something like that where, you know, he true. was in an RV. It was, it was true. true. You're right. Oh God, you're good. Amanda. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but there's an example. It's like, um, and then there's the other thing to consider too, is idea to execution. So you have to practice and do stuff so that you can actually execute it. Well, you, you know, 
just yes. wanting it isn't enough. But I really encourage everyone, like at, at, at every age, because I'm sure you well know this, but it's like you, if you Google anything, I don't care what it is, and add um, the year over 50 or over 60 on YouTube, you'll, you'll find people who have like mind bogglingly huge followings and making serious bank, being experts and being. Oh, for leaders. sure. You're really not too old. Oh, I keep getting someone is coming into my like into my like dis discover or whatever the suggestions, and it's like women over like sixty five or eighty five, like skincare for women over. I can't. I mean, there's a big yes. difference between sixty five and eighty five, and I'm like, this is so interesting. I don't know how this came up, but she, I, and she is like a big following. I've I've also noticed that too that like. While we think we see like the Charlie D'Amelio's and the Dixie D'Amelio's and all these people, then I'll look up. It's like, um, what is her name? She has a YouTube channel about organizing and it's not a slob comes clean and it's not minimalist mom. It's another person who does a course with them that I've never taken, but they always talk about this course and she hosts, um, the messy house show on HGTV and it's not called the messy house show either. Um, hot mess house. And I think she got that from YouTube and she's gotta be, I don't, you know what? It's very weird. Cause here's the thing about ages in LA age in LA doesn't exist because age in LA, someone who's 35 in LA is 14 in Iowa <laughs> and someone in Iowa who's 45 is actually 45 if you know what I'm saying like I cannot tell like she's I she could be 40 she could be 50 I have no idea because I've lived in LA for too long or and listen and I'm I'm guilty of this too I have so much filler in my face it could balance off a wall like if I fell into a wall I'd be totally safe I wouldn't bleed I would just bruise because the, I just bounce off the amount of filler in my cheeks so I like I'm there too you know I I do it and I have no guilt about doing it I love it so good for you, you good know. on you Amanda no I mean listen I'm just I'm very honest about that like it's funny there's someone who you know who used to talk about it um a lot now she doesn't really anymore but she just had the documentary on Netflix and I've, I've interviewed her and I used to kind of be friends with her, Alexis Haynes. She has so much stuff in her face and she's like, and she had like a mommy makeover and all this stuff. And she used to say like on her Instagram and on her show, like, but no one looks like me. Like it's a lot of work. <laughs> and I just think it's better to be honest about things than to just like play around. But I'll also say too that like, there are some people that do look incredible, incredible without it. I am too vain and insecure. So I get my face shot up. It is what it is. You know, <laughs> um, if someone wants to work with you, what should they do and where can people find you? The easiest thing to do, and thank you for asking, is to go to my website, which is ableintermedia.com, A-B-E-L-I-N-T-E-R-M-E-D-I-A.com, because all my resources are there. Um, my podcast, my book, free downloads, and all the contact information. I'm very easy to find via the website and, and through the adjacent socials. Easy, easy, easy. 
I will also link it in the show notes. She's amazing to work with. Her office also has a really cute gallery wall. And I won't say who styled it, but it has a very cute gallery wall. Oh, I love it. It's my happy place. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun.